Teacher friends, hear me clearly when I say, someday somebody's gonna make you wanna turn around and say goodbye. Until then, are you gonna let them hold them down and make you cry? Don't you know, don't you know that things can change? Things can go your way if you hold on for one more day. Can you hold on for one more day? Because things will go your way. Some of you are like, oh my God, I recognized what you were saying. And Monica, you just quoted the band Wilson Phillips. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Don't you know, don't you know, things can go your way. If you hold on for one more day, things will go your way. Hold on for one more day. You're welcome for the 1990s flashback of the song, Hold On. Why am I randomly, awkwardly, and quite frankly, not singing that song very well? Well, because that's actually the theme of today's episode, teacher friends. Sometimes Wilson Phillips is giving us the best possible advice that we need to hear, that we need a reminder of, that we can hold on for one more day because I truly do think that things can go your way. In fact, we are finishing a five-part series today where today you are going to get the last letter of a word. We have been forming a word that is actually an acronym, and today's letter is H, and you guessed it, it stands for HOLD. Now, we're going to hold up before we get into this episode because I want to read a five-star review that was left by the listener of the week, Awesome. 3451 said, Monica is a game changer and inspires me to be a better teacher. She gets me excited about trying new things and fun things to just keep the classroom fresh. Everything she does is gold and she not only inspires me to be a better teacher, she makes me feel better on the days that I'm falling apart and feeling overwhelmed because everything that's going on. She is the whole awesomeness package. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Apple Podcast listener with the screen name Awesome3451. I think that teachers are the whole awesome package. I think that there are so many of us who are feeling crushed at this point in the school year, but this episode is going to be a reminder to hold on because when we do, we actually end up crushing it for kids. I think you are going to love this episode and do not wait for the very end where all of this comes together in one beautiful package. If you have not listened to the first four parts of this series, don't even worry about it. You can go back later. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this awesome episode. There is awesome in every single school day. the big question. How can teachers like us who love our job, love our students, and love being a part of education celebrate awesome even more in our classrooms and learning communities? Where can we find teaching tips and tricks? 
Where can we find engaging stories and motivational strategies? That is the question, and this weekly podcast is your answer. So welcome to all my teacher friends. My name is Monica Genta, and I am so excited that you are here listening to this podcast, This Teacher Life. Hold is definitely the theme word for this entire episode. And what I want to do is break down three different ways that we can hold on to the love for this profession. How we can hold on to the fact that we are doing a really good job, even if you're feeling stressed or struggling in your school. And I want to give you real life examples of things that are actually happening with me because I think sometimes the best thing that we can do to help support each other is to help each other hold on to the fact that you're not alone. So I want to talk about the first way and that's to actually hold off. Sometimes as teachers, we want to make instantaneous decisions. We want to react quickly because our days are so busy and so many plates are spinning. We feel like we just need to like move forward, keep moving. But I am giving you permission and hear me closely. I'm giving you permission to hold off sometimes. Not every decision Not every grade, not every consequence, not every conversation needs to happen in that moment. As teachers, we're very efficient people. But some of our best decisions, some of our best lesson plans, some of our best relationship building can actually come when we hold off and we take a step back from a situation and go back to it later, solve it later. Here's a real life example. So in my classroom, as I'm sure you've heard, if you've ever listened to this podcast or you follow me on social media, if you've read any of my books, I love competitions and I use them to my advantage in my classroom. And so right now I'm actually hosting a month long competition with all of my class periods for both my math and my SEL classes. And that game, that competition that I'm doing actually involves a deck of cards. So students can earn points based off of behavior, but then they earn the number of points on a card. If you're more interested in hearing about that, I'm actually going to do an entire episode about that next week. It's going to be so good, and I'm going to give you all of the details of that entire competition to help you in your classroom next month. But for now, just know that My students got to draw a card at the end of the class period. And they drew from the large deck an eight. So they could have earned eight points or they could have had eight points taken away. Well, the expectation was effective communication. That's what they were working towards. And about half of my class had nailed that. Effective communication is absolutely a life skill. Effective communication should absolutely be happening in all of our classrooms, whether you teach math, social studies, PE, art. And in that moment, as I reflected, my heart was like, heck yes. These kids did a great job of effective communication. And then immediately my heart was like, um, but half the kids didn't. 
half the kids were snickering half the kids were like blowing kisses awkwardly across the classroom half the kids were really struggling to be mature and so I felt super conflicted to give the eight points that they earned and to take away the eight points that they absolutely should be sacrificing for this month-long competition Again, I'll give you full details on that next week, but I want to stay focused on how this applies to hold off. The bell rang as I was having this conflicted moment. And I didn't want to give the kids the eight points and then regret it later. And I didn't want to take away the eight points and regret that later. And the kids normally when the bell rings are out, but they just sat there like, what's she going to do? And I literally looked at them and said, I need to hold off on making a decision right now. I need I need a second. I'm going to let you guys know tomorrow what I end up deciding. And that was a perfect example of holding off. And you know how the kids reacted? Totally fine. You see, students don't want us making irrational split-second decisions. Because that's not always going to create fairness or consistency in our classroom. Not one single student, when I said, I need to marinate on this idea, I need to hold off before making a decision, was like, are you serious? Just give us the points. Not a single kid said that. On the flip side, not a single kid said, take away the points, we don't deserve it. See, as humans, I really believe that we're good at giving each other the time and the space when we create the environment where it's okay to hold off. If we give our students the time and the space to answer questions and to reflect and to come up with good answers, they're going to give us that in return. So let me ask you this. What are you currently maybe rushing into? What are you currently just going with your gut and just never looking back on and maybe you're seeing that it's not working I want to be clear if that's happening that does not make you a bad teacher it makes you somebody who's trying to be efficient and get things done and that's really important in our career I held off on the points and I know some of you are like so what did you end up doing I did end up taking the time An unpopular opinion, I took away the eight points. I say unpopular opinion because I think sometimes as teachers, we don't hold our ground. Ooh, guess what? That's the next one. Holding our ground. If we want to hold on to the love of teaching, one of the most important holds that we can do is hold our ground to do what we say we're going to do. So the unpopular opinion was not from my students. When I made that decision, they respected it. They said, yeah, we agree. But sometimes what happens is we start to judge each other as teachers. And we're like, man, they're, but they've just, you know, God love them. They were just having a hard time. Absolutely. Kids have a hard time. Teachers have a hard time. But that doesn't mean that we can reward them and then go back on our words. 
I made it very, very clear at the beginning of the month exactly what my expectations were and how they could earn points and how they could get points taken away. Now, this is for middle school students. That's who I currently teach is middle school students. And obviously, holding off and holding your ground is going to look and sound and feel differently at an elementary level than it is a high school level or a middle school level. So please know that I'm laying a foundation, a framework It could feel differently and sound differently with your age students, your ability students, and where you're at relationally with your students. But I held my ground. My kids knew exactly what they needed to do for effective communication. Not all students met that. Not even 75% of students met that. So I held my ground and I deducted the eight points. And they respected that. I think holding our ground can be summarized In one simple statement, when we hold our ground, we do exactly what we say we're going to do. Of course, education has flexibility. Of course, as teachers, we're offering grace. Of course, there is not a black and white answer to everything that happens in our schools and in our learning communities. But sometimes holding our ground means I said that this is what I expected and you didn't meet the expectation. Let me give you a very specific example of holding ground as it pertains to not behavior, but as it uh, pertains to grades and academics. If you have special activities at your school, maybe it's a student council, maybe it's a reading club, maybe it's a basketball team, most schools have the expectation that if you're going to participate in something special, something extracurricular, that your academic grades are also in check. I think schools often set the standard pretty low because at my school it's passing. Like you can have a 59.8% in every single one of your classes, which rounds up to a D, and still play all of the sports, still be in FFA, still be in like the student council, Because you're passing all of your classes. That's the school expectation. So I roll with it. Even though I personally disagree. That's a whole nother conversation, right? But I had a student a few weeks ago who was ineligible for the sport that they wanted to participate in. This student had a 56% in one of my classes. I had given them Reminders, emails, extra help, guidance, all of the things. But two hours before the eligibility report was run, which would cause them to not be able to participate in their special activity for one full week, the student comes in in a panic and is like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, I can tell you all the things that you can do. Let me write them down on a note card. Uh, Again, I was patient. I was calm. Because I do want kids to be able to have special activities. I do want kids to be motivated. We know that sports and extracurriculars are sometimes the only thing that kids walk into a school for. So holding your ground is not a gotcha. Holding your ground is doing exactly what you said you were going to do and helping kids every step of the way. And if they don't meet that expectation, you don't reward them. So the kid comes in, works with me, during lunchtime for a few minutes, did what felt like was enough to regrade their work. So I absolutely said, okay, I'll regrade this. And then this student did enough 
to bump up their grade to a 58%. And I said, awesome. They said, am I eligible? And I said, no, it boosted up to a 58%. And they're like, so can I play in the activity? And I'm like, the expectation is a 60% or higher for this school. And then this student said, well, I want extra credit then. And I said, that's, I've never had extra credit. I don't have like a bin or like a crossword or like a coloring sheet or these things that are going to give you extra credit for extra work. I want you to have extra effort and put an extra work to the credit that I have already given you. And I said, I'm willing to regrade things. I'm willing to do this. They're like, but it's just 2%. I'm like, I understand. They didn't want the work that I had given them. They wanted a different route. I believe in fairness. I believe in equity. I believe in holding on to hope that every single kid can meet the expectation because I really truly believe that they can with the right supports and service in mind. But in that moment, the kid fell short, didn't want to do what I had suggested, what I had outlined. I had offered all the help and they just kind of quit. I held my ground. I could have gone into the gradebook system and skewed numbers. I could have said, you know what? For this one time only, I'm going to do this. But I think especially as kids get older, if we don't hold our ground, what type of lesson are we teaching them? What type of life moment are they having there? I know that students probably think sometimes I am too hardcore I bet there are parents out there who believe that I am too rigid and I totally respect that from them, right? That's their opinion. They can have it. I have high expectations and I also have high tolerance of patience and helping and my door is always open and I will answer your emails at all points in the day. I never want a student to feel like, man, they got me. She got me. My standards are high. My expectations are high. But I also have a high level of, I got your back. I will do everything I can do to help you. But at some point, you got to show the exact same amount of work that I'm putting in. So I held my ground. And that student was not eligible. And that happens every once in a while. And I think that's important. Because sometimes we feel like we get crushed by the system. And when we get crushed by the system, you know what that does to our love of teaching? It tanks it. It causes us to feel way more stress and way more struggle than what we need to. Something that is so hard to do is hold our ground. But it's really important. I was talking to some parents not too long ago and they were talking about consequences for their kids and they said Monica do you know how a consequence is really good for your kid and I said when it hurts you more than it hurts the kid to assign the consequence like yeah when your heart is breaking because you know that you're taking away something that they love and something that's important to them when it hurts your heart just as much or more as your child's that's a good consequence Because you know why it hurts? Because we love kids and we want what's best for them. And sometimes life lessons are hard ones. 
But when we can hold our ground, it changes everything. Now, that's hard to talk about. Because I am just naturally optimistic. Like I feel like I just got like a little negative, a little nasty. It feels like I got a little heavy. I think some of you are like, oh damn, she's not messing around in this episode. I want you to know that the last hold is just so very different and I don't want you to miss it. We're going to get into the last hold statements in the second part of this episode. Don't miss it. If you are looking for ways to hold on for one more day, one more quarter, one more semester, or one more year of teaching because you feel like you are in a place where you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore because I'm getting crushed in education right now. I want to officially invite you to something that could change all of that for the better. During the month of April, I am leading a fun, flexible PD course called Crushing It for Kids, where we are going to dive into five areas to impact education in awesome ways. This is a fun, flexible course that is filled with interactive video, hundreds of ideas, so much teacher motivation, and live Q&As that are streamed so you can get answers to your specific direct questions. Not to mention, you can earn up to 15 hours worth of PD credit for your participation in this virtual PD course that I am leading in April. You can go to monicagenta.com slash courses. That's monicagenta.com slash courses. Or you can click the direct link that I'm going to share in the episode show notes on your podcast app. Crushing It for Kids is an awesome way to end this school year on an awesome note. Fourth quarter can truly be your best quarter yet for not just you, but also for your students. Come crush it with me during the month of April. Check out monicagenta.com courses to get signed up for this fun, flexible, and affordable PD where you can earn up to 15 hours worth of PD credits. Let's crush it together in April. So we've looked at holding off, not making super quick decisions. We have looked at holding our ground, which says I'm going to do exactly what I told kids I'm going to do in both a positive and a negative way. In fact, before we get into the last thing, let's talk about the positive way. If we told kids we were going to reward them for a specific expectation, then we should reward them. If we told kids that we're going to put a scratch and sniff sticker on our tests for the next time that they achieve a certain level, then we should be putting the scratch and sniff sticker on the test. We should be doing what we say we're going to be doing, holding our ground both when it's hard, but also when it's really freaking fun. Kids need to see us as trusted adults. And not, one of the easiest ways to make that happen is for them to have some predictability with us, that our word means something. That is holding your ground. But let's talk about holding hands. And I mean that both figuratively and literally. Some of you are like, I'm not holding a hand of a snotty teenager. And then my elementary teacher's like, oh, I love holding hands with the line leader. And they're so sweet. And high school teachers are like, absolutely not. This is dumb. So 
I mean holding hands, literally and figuratively. I think that one way to help us reestablish our love of teaching again are with those bonds that we have. When we understand that we are doing life with kids on a daily basis. I want to give you an example of this doing life kind of thing because I do this activity in my SEL class, in my advisory class called Life Party. I'm sure some of you have heard about it or you've done it with your students because I write about it in my book, The Rooted Classroom, and I teach about it in some of my courses. But Life Party is an opportunity to freaking celebrate students and something that they love and something that they're passionate about. Not too long ago, one of my students, a seventh grader, was delivering a life party. And the life party was all about traveling, specifically traveling to Italy. And I thought this was really cool because the student admitted that they have never traveled really outside of the Midwest, but they would love to travel internationally and created this whole big celebration about Italy and what they would eat and what they would see and what kind of activities. And at the end of the life party, the student left time for a little bit of Q&A. And I love that because it got kids excited to participate and interact with something that the student was passionate about. So a student asks a question and says, what made you pick Italy? Of all of the places that you can go to internationally, why Italy? And the student said, because my aunt always wanted to go to Italy. And the way that the student said it, like wanted, it felt like very past tense. And kids picked up on that. And so another student shot their hand up and said, when you asked the question, when you said your aunt wanted to, what does that mean? And the student said, well, my aunt never got a chance to actually go to Italy. So I want to go there to see all of the things that she never got an opportunity to experience. And you could tell that there was this like this heaviness in the room. And my students were really respectful of that heaviness. So I thought, all right, I'm going to raise my hand because I participate as a student in these life parties because I've got a lot to learn about tons of topics. If the student is the expert on this, I'm sitting in their seat participating. So I raised my hand and I said, I noticed that there's some like maybe some emotion here. Can you tell me, has your aunt passed? And the student said, Yes, this is a trip that she always wanted to take. And so this would be really cool because I have heard stories that have been passed down and like I would get to experience that. And in that moment, do you know what the whole class was doing? Holding hands with this student. Again, not literally. We were holding hands because we were doing life together. We were celebrating this thing that the student was passionate about. But we were also holding hands because we were having this like intimate emotional moment. We weren't like passing tissues around and there wasn't tears flowing in the classroom. But we were having a connected, loving moment where we were holding hands together. Celebrating the struggles and the successes of life. And I looked at that student at the end of, of their life party and I said, promise me that you will take that trip. 
Promise me that at the age of 12, you will start a savings account and go to Italy. Put like a quarter a week in a piggy bank and let that be your Italy account because I want that experience for you. I can tell that you're excited about it. Like, do it. And the student said, I'm going to. That's holding hands. That's holding this profession on the pedestal that it deserves to be on because that's relational. In fact, you guys have now gone on this five-week journey with me where we've built a relationship together by crushing it together. We've talked about celebrating students. We've talked about building relationships. We've talked about utilizing our unique interests, skills, and strengths. We've talked about sharing our stories and struggles. And now we're talking about holding. Holding off, holding our ground, holding hands. And when you take those five pillars, do you know what it just spelled? crush because I think we crush it for kids every single day when we celebrate when we have relationships when we utilize what we got when we share with each other and when we hold this profession in the palms of our hands that's crushing it and I want to thank you for crushing it for kids every single day where do you need to hold off? Where do you need to hold your ground? And who or what do you need to hold hands with to end this year on a good note? Maybe it's you need to hold hands with other teachers who are like-minded and feeling the same feelings. If you just need that thing, you're looking for that thing that could change everything, the Crushing It for Kids course is absolutely for you. It begins in April and it is going to be so much fun. I 100% guarantee that it will cause you to find that click, that spark, that flame, that fire of loving teaching, even if you are feeling stressed or struggling right now in your school. Join me for the Crushing It For Kids course. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes in the Crushing It series, now you know that you gotta go back and listen. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. But most importantly, I want to thank you for living this teacher life. <laughs>